0: Put that in my back pocket because I want to keep that. All right, uh, very happy to be with you. Uh, it has been a few months, and part of my desire is to be able to come here at least every five, six months or so. So it was back in November that I was with you, and when Pastor Carlos called me and said, Hey, I would really love for you to come to Imago Church, I really did jump at that opportunity. And we are uh, uh, well covered at sunrise this morning with, with Greg. Peterson, whom I know you know, sharing the word, and, and uh, Martin uh, on spot there with the worship team. So I want to bring you greetings from Sunrise Community Church, your parent church, your partner church in Tulare, and uh, we are with you. That's why we're here. We want to be engaged with where Amago is, and we want to see God do more. We want to see uh, God work in your midst and in Visalia and in Tulare, as together we partner and, um, yeah, we're, we're praying for you. We are wanting to be your cheerleaders and to see God do more as uh, you grow as a church. So thank you again for having me here. You know, at Sunrise, what we've been doing since the first of the year, we've been in a series of messages looking at the Gospel of John. And we started in January, first Sunday of the new year, with John chapter 1 and we 've been working through at a pace of about one to two chapters every week, and next Sunday, Easter Sunday, we will be wrapping up that series with John chapters twenty and twenty one which of course point to the resurrection and uh, the whole the whole pinnacle of our faith that we 'll be celebrating uh, throughout the world next year or next week as Christians. so it is a big time an exciting time for us. so I say that because it is natural for me to be kind of into the Gospel of John right now, so this morning. I want to share with you from the Palm Sunday story as it comes in the gospel according to John. And that is found in chapter 12. And I'm going to read verses 12 through 16. So if you have a Bible with you or on a phone, uh, please open up. I think there are some Bibles in the back as well if you need one of those. And I'm going to be at John chapter 12, verse 12 through 16 to begin with. And again, this is this is the story of Palm Sunday from the point of view Of John the evangelist and the disciple of Jesus. So this is the good news of our Lord and this is what it says. The next day the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel." Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. And that's where our reading is going to end. So I think it was about six years ago, I was back in my hometown in Iowa, and I was helping my parents move. They were moving from that town to another place, and as a part of my time there, I I went out one evening, and I just took a walk around my hometown, and I ended up at a little city park near where my parents' house was, and as I walked through that park, my mind went back to a day almost 40 years ago, and this was a day that I attended a picnic with my college. You see, I went to college in my hometown, and so we went to this picnic at this park almost 40 years ago, and at that picnic, there was this 19-year-old sophomore, uh, dishwater blonde hair. She had big brown eyes. She was simply dressed with a blouse and some corduroy jeans, and I happened to sit across from her at the table, at the picnic table while we were eating, and I talked to her and and learned that she had grown up in Guatemala. She was the daughter of missionaries. She spoke Spanish. I was learning Spanish. I thought that was interesting. And then afterwards, our group played some volleyball, but she didn't play. She was off to the side watching us play, and I later learned it was because she had some asthma, couldn't play volleyball, But I remember that day just having kind of the fleeting thought that she was rather cute. Uh, But that was about it. That's as far as it went. Now, as I was walking through that park and looking back on that day, in many ways, that was just an ordinary day in the life of an average college student, right? Just going to a picnic, being with some other students. But for me, that was no ordinary day because of course that was the day that i met the woman that was to be my wife the father of my or mother of my two boys i was the father and and uh and to be also my partner my my friend and so now fast forward to today mindy and i in just a couple of months we'll be celebrating 35 years of marriage we've known each other almost 40 years and so When I think about it, I realize that there are times in life when we go through events, we go through things that at the moment there really doesn't seem to be much to it, It really doesn't seem to be significant. And it's only in looking back, it's only after the fact that we reflect on it and we realize that something very important has happened. That was certainly the, the way it was the day that I met my wife, but it was also that way, I think, with the very first Palm Sunday. And today, of course, we're looking back on that 2,000 years after the fact. Now, as we look into John, we find here that the crowds thought they understood the significance of that day. The crowds thought they understood what was really going on. After all, it was Passover, that was the big feast in the Jewish calendar. It was the culmination of everything. And they were in Jerusalem for that celebration. And as they heard that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, of course the story says they went out and they took palm branches like these, right? And they waved them in the air and they shouted, Hosanna, God save us. You're right, David, or Danny. that's what it means, right? God save us or save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And what were they saying with that? They were saying, we believe this Jesus who's riding into town is the Messiah. He's the anointed, appointed king in the line of David. And this is the moment that God has orchestrated for everything to come together. And they believe that Jesus was coming into town to to ascend to his throne to kick out the evil Roman Empire that had possessed the land and to restore the people of Israel to their glory days of old. That is what they thought was going on. And that's why, of course, they also said, Blessed is the king of Israel. This was the king that was coming into town. Of course, that same crowd who thought they understood what was going on, just five days later, would not hail Jesus as a king. They would reject him as a fake, as a fraud. They would be grossly disappointed. They didn't understand the significance of that moment. But the disciples really didn't understand either. The disciples that came into town with Jesus, they too thought they understood what was going on. And I'm sure in their minds it was something very similar to what the crowds thought. They too believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the one who was coming in uh, to change everything. And I'm sure they were thinking about their own cabinet positions within his new administration. He was going to come in and set everything up and they would have a key place in that. And of course, five days later on Friday, they too would not just be disappointed, they would be devastated. They would be scattered, and only maybe one or two of them would stay behind to watch what happened at the cross. They didn't understand what was going on. But there's a difference I think we need to mark here between the the crowds, and the disciples. There's a difference between how they processed what happened, and that difference is highlighted for us by John in John chapter 12, verse 16. I want to reread this for you. Let's look at that. He says this, At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. So John's telling us here that at some point after Jesus was crucified, at some point after Jesus was glorified, that is after he was raised from the dead, at some point the disciples got together and they began to try to piece together the picture of what had happened to Jesus And in that process, they went back to the scriptures. They went back to the Old Testament, to those scriptures written before Jesus. And in those scriptures, they began to find clues as to what God was really doing and the significance of Jesus and his life. And when they got back there, they found a number of scriptures there that helped them to understand, fast forward, what had happened. Now, there's a saying out there, I don't know if you've heard it before, but it has to do with the relationship between the New Testament, which is what was written about Jesus and after Jesus, and the Old Testament of the Bible, what was written before Jesus. And the saying goes like this, the New Testament is contained in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is explained in the New Testament. The New is contained in the Old. The Old is explained in the New. Keep that in mind. So what they did is they went back to the Old Testament. And there they found some truths contained there that pointed to Jesus. And one of those places they went to was to the prophet Zechariah. Chapter 9, verse 9. And that is the scripture that John here quotes in John chapter 12, verse 15. He quotes from Zechariah 12, or 9, 9. Uh, in verse 14, John says, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written. And then he quotes Zechariah 9, 9. Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated. On a donkey's colt. Now, there's something here we need to to note. Jesus came into town in fulfillment of this prophecy riding on a donkey. That's not typically the kind of animal that a king would be riding on. If you're a king of any sort of, of importance, you're gonna come into town riding on a horse. Why? Because the horse is the symbol of of victory, of conquest, of war. The horse is a symbol of power. But Jesus doesn't come into town riding on a horse. He comes into town riding on a donkey, the symbol of humility, the symbol of of peace. What's going on? Well, the story here is taking a different turn than what the crowds and the disciples understood. It's that Jesus was coming into town not in order to conquer the evil Roman Empire. He was coming into town with a different agenda. He was coming into town to conquer sin, to make war with death, and to bring peace between God and sinners. That was his agenda. Now, I've got a question for you. Do you think on that day Jesus rode into town, do you think as John perhaps was walking alongside that donkey, maybe just a little bit behind, do you think that as he saw Jesus on that donkey and as he saw the crowds, you know, waving their branches in the air, do you think John, you know, kind of nudged a disciple next to him and said, oh, hey, look, look, Jesus is fulfilling Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Well, what do you know? Of course not. Right? It says at first they didn't understand all this. It was only afterwards that they realized this is what the Old Testament contained about Jesus. And there's more evidence. In fact, this would be an interesting study of the Gospel of John to go through the Gospel of John and realize there are a number of places in John's Gospel where he inserts these little editorial comments that make it very clear that he didn't understand or the disciples didn't understand at that time what was really going on. And, and there's another example of that here in John chapter 12. Just before our reading, John chapter 12, at the beginning of the chapter, uh, we find this woman, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, the man that Jesus raises from the dead in chapter 11. Mary comes in, she pours out this bottle of expensive perfume upon Jesus' feet. Jesus says it's to anoint him uh, ahead of time for his burial, and it's this beautiful act of love and generosity and devotion to Jesus, an act of, of worship. But there's one disciple who's not really impressed with this. It's the disciple Judas. In chapter 12, verse 5, he he says, Why wasn't this perfume sold and all the money given to the poor? I mean, it's worth a year's wages. And then, in verse 6, John says this, Judas did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Now, do you think at that moment Judas is complaining about Mary, do you think John is in a corner nudging another disciple saying, ah, Judas is just complaining because he has sticky fingers. He just wants to steal from the money bag. No. No, they didn't understand that in that moment. It was afterwards as the disciples started to put this all together and they're talking about this. After Judas had betrayed Jesus, they get to talking and they're like, you know, that Judas, he was kind of always a shady character. Come to think of it, there always seemed to be money missing from the money bag. We always seemed to be just a little bit short. I know what was going on. He was stealing from the money bag. It was afterwards that they understood what was going on. And for we who are today looking back on Palm Sunday, there's things that we have yet to understand, but we can see it. And one of the clues that I think is really apparent for us is in the words of the crowd. The crowd shouts out, as I said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And those words about Jesus, spoken to and about Jesus here, are contained back in Psalm number 118, verse 25. That's where those words come from. In fact, if you turn to Psalm 118, 25 and 26, what you see, it says, O Lord, save us. That's Hosanna, right? God, save us. Verse 26, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, what this is, is part of a song of ascent. That's what Psalm 18 is about. It's a song, in other words, that was sung by, by the people of, of Judah when they would come together in Jerusalem for their various festivals and feasts as they were on their way traveling towards Jerusalem. You'd have to go up the hill. So it's a song for ascending the hill to Jerusalem. But it's also a song they would sing as they were ascending up to the temple. For the worship of the people and the culmination of the festival, they would be singing these songs of ascents. And so, in a sense, this is natural that they would say, Hosanna, blesses he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're singing a song of ascents. But in the very next verse, Psalm 118, verse 27, there's a clue as to what the significance of this moment is. It says simply this, at the end of verse 27, with boughs in hand, that is with branches in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. In other words, we're in a parade and we're on our way up to the temple and we're going to go to the altar. What's the altar all about? That's all about the place where animals were sacrificed. It's all about that system that God had put in place to remind the people of Israel of their sin and to remind them that a sacrifice was necessary for sin, but it was also there to remind them of something else. The animals had to be sacrificed over and over again because they weren't enough. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to cover sin, the Bible tells us. So now we go to Palm Sunday. And here the people are shouting this song as they with bows in hand are heading towards the altar. Except this altar that Jesus is going to is not going to be the altar of the temple. In just a few days, he's going to ascend to an altar called the cross where he will become the perfect sacrifice. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in Philippians, the Apostle Paul is explaining the significance of all of this through a song, another song, and he says that Jesus made himself into a servant and he he went to the lowest place. He humbled himself even to death on the cross. Therefore God has exalted him to the highest place, Paul says. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow, every tongue would confess. Knees bow before kings. Every knee would bow, every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus is riding into town to ascend the altar of the cross, to be enthroned upon the cross. That God would exalt him and people would proclaim him as king. Not the kind of king the people were looking for, but a better king, the best king. And so, with all of this in mind, we need to understand that there's a big difference between the crowds and the disciples. The crowds rejoiced in the moment. When Jesus came into town, but when they didn't understand, they rejected Jesus. They rejoiced but then rejected. The disciples received Jesus in the moment, but when they didn't understand, they didn't just reject him. Instead, they went back and they remembered Jesus, I like the word "remember" in English. If you look up the kind of the, the 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 foundation of that word, the etymology, as they say, the word "remember" means to piece back together again. When you remember something, you are piecing something together again from your past and trying to to understand its significance. That's what the disciples did as they went back to Scripture, as they reflected together, they pieced together the picture, and they became reacquainted with Jesus. They saw him in a new light, and in fact, they saw the story of God in a whole new light. They thought they knew the story, but they didn't. And so, they were able to remember and to reconnect with Jesus through the promise of God's word. Now, it was probably about 10 or 12 years ago, I read a book by an author, an Australian guy by the name of Alan Hirsch. And the name of this book is an interesting title. I love the title of this book. The, the title of the book is Read Jesus, Read Jesus. And, and the point the author is making in this book is that in our 21st century life where things are very chaotic, unpredictable, where things are constantly changing and moving, What we need most as Christians is to re-Jesus our lives, to go back and and to put back together the pieces of what is the core of our faith, the foundation of our faith. We need Jesus and we need to understand who he is and who we are in relationship to him. I think that's a good word for us. I'm reading another book right now by another author by the name of Joshua Chatra, and in that book he's talking about the fact of, of how we live in our time. We all are are being bombarded by different narratives of what reality is all about, what life is all about, and there's the prosperity narrative. You've, you know, your story is that you're going to be successful. There's the fame narrative. You're going to get on YouTube and you're, or on social media, and you're going to go viral, and you're going to be famous, and that's the story you need to be pursuing. Or there's the pleasure narrative. It's all about you and what you can consume and what you can desire and what you can be fulfilled with, and it's all about pursuing that. It's all about, you know, kind of this fake optimism narrative where everything's just going to be, it's all going to be good. Or the other side, there's a lot of hopelessness. There's a pessimism narrative going on in our world like it's all bad. There's nothing good. And I think about this and I think that what we're trying to do is to make sense of the moment that we're in. And it's easy to be led by one of those narratives, one of those stories into saying, this is what's going on. Jesus wants to ride into our lives today to straighten out our narratives, to straighten out the story. Our story, our true story, is contained in Jesus. Why? Because you want to know who you are? You look at what happened to Jesus. He died on the cross. He was beaten, forsaken, punished. He who had no sin became sin for us, the Bible says. And in that is contained the story of who we are. We are sinners in need of rescue. But also our story is explained in Jesus. Because what we're going to be focusing on this coming week is that he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. He's victorious over sin and hell and Satan and death. And now that explains why we can have a different story now. We don't have to buy into the prosperity story or the pleasure story or or the fame story because those things pale in comparison to the story of the gospel. And it's not about me, it's about him. God's going to write my story and it will make sense in terms of his story. Who Jesus really is. And so that's what we're going to be doing this week as we come into Holy Week. We're going to be rehearsing this this great drama of our faith that is a true drama, a true story. And reminding ourselves, remembering uh, what this is all about. That it's all about re jesusing our lives. And so Palm Sunday really invites us to do that. To remember increasingly and to, 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 to recognize continually what Jesus has done, what he's doing, what he will do for all of us. That's the Christian life every day. Every day is an opportunity to encounter Jesus in our daily lives. might be through those divine appointments that Danny was talking about might be even in our worst moments. In our suffering, we encounter Jesus who suffered for us. In our best moments, we encounter Jesus who is our source of joy and new life, not that, that thing that we think is making us happy. Every day is a moment to, to welcome Jesus, to relate to Jesus, to be renewed by Jesus, restored, redeemed, re-energized, re-Jesused. so we come into this week with that opportunity, and we're going to be putting together the picture of what has happened and what God is doing, and to understand that these things really happened. Jesus really rode into town on that donkey. Jesus really died on that crude cross. He really rose from the dead and he's really ascended, and he's really poured out his spirit, and he's really with us. If we can remember Jesus back then and recognize him right now, we can rely on him in the future. That's why Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. So that's my invitation for all of us Let's remember and receive what Jesus has done, what he's doing, and what he will do for us. Let's read Jesus our lives. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, I can't help but believe that it is through ordinary Christians in ordinary moments of our ordinary days that you choose to do something extraordinary. You want to come into town, so to speak, through us. As we go to work, as we shop for our daily necessities, as we study with people at school, wherever we come into contact with people, Lord, we entrust to you the significance of those moments. May those be moments that, although they seem to be normal, ordinary, may those be moments where you can break through. You can reveal yourself to us. You can reveal ourselves to others. I Thank you for Imago Church in this community, God. I believe and, and trust that you have a plan for Imago Church, this seemingly ordinary group of Christ followers, to have an extraordinary impact on her surroundings. I pray encouragement into each person here today. Wherever they may be, I pray that we can often go back into your word, God, into the scriptures of of the Old and New Testaments, that in that we find contained the truth we need and explained the guidance we need, and that we would live out the Jesus story in our lives, in our sufferings to identify with your sufferings, in our rejoicing to identify with your resurrection life and in all things to be your presence in the world. So thank you, God, for this time we have around your word this morning, I pray. In the days to come, as we as we look to Easter Sunday, as we look to Good Friday, may we be excited. May we be energized to worship, to celebrate and to go forward in service to you. We pray this in the name that is above all names, in the name of our Lord and King Jesus, and all God's people said, amen.